Hello, and welcome to the Christwalk Church Podcast. What a great day this is to celebrate what God is doing around this place. I am so excited for you. And uh, before I get any further, let me introduce my dearly beloved Betsy. Stand up and wave at everybody so everybody can see the better part of this duo. And uh, it is so great to be with you again. I think it's been a Goodness, what, two, three years ago, I guess, the last time that I was able to be here and to speak at uh, Christ Walk. Uh, and so it's, it's such a joy to be back again. And your pastor, Pastor Blake and Sarah and Luke and Avery are just some of our favorite people. So uh, thank you for the invitation, for the opportunity to be here. Uh, I'm not going to take a lot of time to visit, although I could. Boy, that makes a lot of noise, doesn't it? Cool. Now I know how to get your attention. Uh, um, I've asked if you would please to go ahead and do this now before I even get started. Um, Just pass out. I'm giving everybody a rock. This is not to be used during the message, as in stoning someone. In fact, I ask if maybe I could bring that drum shield and place it here just in case. If you don't like the message, uh, don't use the rocks to, uh, to let people know about it, okay? Um, in fact, if I, I would say to you, if this is your first time uh, to worship at Christ Walk, um, let me ask you to do one thing. Do not judge this church by what I'm getting ready to do, <laughs> okay? This is a great church. They've got a great pastor, so don't judge the church by the guest speaker, okay? Come back next week, and you'll get the true picture of what's going on here. So this is, this is just somebody they let show up um, in order to, to celebrate with you today. I'm going to ask you, when you get to this, if you'll also turn in your scriptures to the Old Testament, the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 7. Look in your, on your smartphone or your iPad or if you are old school like I am and actually brought a Bible. And we'll also put it on the screen so everybody can see what's going on. How are we doing passing the rocks out? We're getting there? All right. Everybody gets a rock. So when's the last time you went to church and somebody gave you a rock? We're good? Great. Um, Could I ask you, if you don't mind, would you stand one more time and... um, as we kind of reverence the reading of God's Word. And we've put it on the screen here so everybody can see it, and that way we all have the same translation. I would like to ask you if you would read the Scripture with me. There's something significant about the people of God reading God's Word corporately. And so I want us to look at that together. We're going to start 1 Samuel chapter 7. We'll read verse 10 through 13. Let's read it together, shall we? Now Samuel was offering up the burnt offering. And the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. 
But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day against the Philistines and confused them so that they were routed before Israel. The men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them down as far as below Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shen and named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they did not come any more within the border of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. Let's pray. We love you, Lord, and we're so thankful for the opportunity to come together in your house to be with people of like faith and to hear from you. So now I ask that you will open our hearts and give us spiritual ears that we may hear not so much what the preacher is going to say, but that we may hear what the Spirit will say in the midst of the preaching today. I pray that this will be a word that will encourage, challenge, inspire, motivate, but most important, transform us so that we are conformed to the image of your own dear Son. I pray special blessing upon the leaders of this house, upon the people who are here. Your hand of blessing will be upon them and that you will multiply their influence for the sake of the kingdom. I thank you for doing that, and I give you praise for that. I pray it in the strong name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Before you're seated, just tell somebody, I have a feeling this is going to be really good today. Now, you may have to say that by faith, but go ahead and say it. <clears throat> <laughs> the achievement we are celebrating today is an even bigger miracle than some of you know. This is a day that should be written down in the history books of this church. I want to tell you, every time you drive onto this property, every time you walk into this building, it should serve as a reminder of the faithfulness of God. And as a testimony of what can be accomplished when people unite their faith and work for a common purpose. This is a day to establish a memorial to the glory of God and in honor of the people of God. This is a day to both reflect on the goodness of God and to anticipate the blessings of God. This is a day to rehearse where God has brought you from, and look forward to the next step on the journey to where God is taking you. As I was praying about the message for today, I thought about the need to establish markers in our personal lives and in the corporate life of the church that serve to remind us of God's help. At the same time, I wondered if I might also be talking to somebody who would need some encouragement. What about it? Any, anybody feel like you could use a, a booster shot of encouragement today? I've got five, six, seven, eight. Okay, yeah, hands are still going. We'll wait. <clears throat> no, okay. Well, have I got a story for you. To be sure, 
this story doesn't start out too encouraging. In fact, when chapter 7 of the book of 1 Samuel opens, the nation of Israel is in the midst of a very discouraging time in her history. If you back up a few chapters, you find in chapter 4, they had lost a major battle with the Philistines. In a span of less than 24 hours, not only were they defeated in battle, but the Ark of the Covenant, that sacred box, that sacred object that was the symbol, the the visible symbol and representation of the presence of the Lord, it was captured. Among the casualties of the battle were two men named Hophni and Phinehas. They were the sons of the high priest Eli. When news of the capture of the ark and the death of his sons reached the 98-year-old obese Eli, who was the high priest, he swooned, fell over backwards, broke his neck, and died. The pregnant wife of Phineas heard the tragic news and immediately went into labor. She died in childbirth, but with her final breath, she named the son that was born Ichabod, meaning where is the glory or the glory has departed. Following that dreadful day, chapter 5 tells us that the Philistines took the captured ark across the border into their land and set it in the temple of their pagan god Dagon as one of the spoils of war. Even in captivity, however, God demonstrated he couldn't be mocked and he couldn't be dishonored. Trouble fell upon the Philistines. The next morning, when they came to their pagan temple, they found Dagon toppled over and broken. Everywhere they tried to place the ark, calamity struck. People died, and those who didn't die were smitten with a plague of tumors. So, in the next chapter, in chapter 6, they decided the best thing they could do was get rid of the cause of the trouble, return the ark to the people of God. So, they placed it on a new cart and sent it back into the land of Israel. The ark eventually wound up in a place called Kiriath-Yerim in the house of a man named Abinadab, whose son Eliezer was consecrated to care for it. It remained in that house for 20 years, all the while Israel was under the thumb of the Philistines. That brings us now to chapter 7. Samuel is filling the role of prophet, priest, judge of the people. After 20 long years, when the hearts of the people were finally ready to turn back to the Lord, Samuel called them all together, and they held a revival at a place called Mizpah. There, Samuel called on the nation of Israel to repent. He instructed them to remove the idols, the false gods, from their midst. He admonished them to turn from following the ways of their oppressors and turn to the Lord with their whole heart. Right in the midst of this great convocation and this time of repenting, word reached them that the Philistines were assembling another massive army and were marching against them intent on their destruction. Now, Some of you are waiting for me to get to the encouragement part. I I promise you it's coming, but there are a couple of things you need to know before we get there. One of them is this. When you determine to serve the Lord, the enemy will attack. Why don't you just look over at somebody and say, he's telling the truth right there. 
When you determine to serve the Lord, the enemy will attack. See, as long as you are content to live the way everybody else does, as long as you're content to live the way the world does, as long as you're content to just go with the flow and embrace the priorities and the attitudes and the goals of the world, then the enemy of your soul will pretty much leave you alone. But the moment you determine you're going to live for God, the moment you determine you're going to follow Jesus, the moment you decide that as for you and your house, you're going to serve the Lord, I'm telling you, that's when the heat's going to get turned on. That's when the attack is going to come. You needn't think for one moment that the, that the devil is going to send you a congratulatory email when you decide to live for Jesus. Absolutely not. He's going to do everything within his power to destroy your resolve, to take away your confidence, to crush your commitment to Jesus. And he doesn't care what means he has to use to do it. He'll use problems on your job. He'll use discord in your family. He'll use financial reversals. He'll use disagreements with your friends. He'll use challenges to your health. He'll use whatever he can get his hands on to try and dissuade you from serving the Lord. When you sign up to be a Christ follower, you're signing up for a battle. At that moment, you're a marked person. There's a target on your back. There's a price on your head. Your spiritual enemy will go to any length imaginable to knock you back and to keep you from the path to wholeness and victory. Anybody encouraged yet? <laughs> Listen, if you're having a battle, one of the first things you need to do in the midst of a battle is you need to check yourself. If you've been slacking off in your pursuit of God and the things of God, then it's entirely possible that the battle you're in isn't the enemy, but it could very well be God trying to get your attention, trying to get you back to where you're supposed to be in Him. That's a good word right there, Pastor John. I'm just saying, buddy, you are, you are spot on today, I'm telling you. But if you're pursuing God and the things of God with a passion and you find yourself in a battle, it could very well be your spiritual enemy trying to bring about your demise. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you've experienced that. Some of you may be there right now. If you haven't had anything like that yet, just fasten your seatbelt. Get ready. It's coming. When you decide to passionately serve the Lord, there is going to come an attack to try and distract you and cause you to lose heart, to lose hope, to lose faith. That's one lesson we learned from this story. When Israel turned to the Lord, the enemy came against her. Now, anybody encouraged yet? That's what I thought. Okay, here's another lesson we learned from the story. This may help you. When you put your trust in God, he will deliver you. I, I need to say that again, maybe a little stronger to this side of the room because I'm not sure you guys got it. When you put your trust in God, he will deliver you. That's good. I like, I like this side. I may preach the rest of the message right over here. To this. In verse 6, we're told that Israel fasted and prayed and repented. <clears throat> And in verse 8, Israel saw the Philistines coming against them and said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry to the Lord our God for us that he may save us. Now, 
that's a lot different than it was 20 years earlier. 20 years before, Israel went into the battle carrying the ark of God. They thought that just because they had the symbol of his presence with them, they couldn't be defeated. So here's what happened. They went to battle with the form, but they lacked the power of God. They went to battle against the enemy in their own strength rather than in the strength of the Lord. Well, now it's 20 years later, and they've learned their lesson. Israel had come to a place where she recognized that she must have the help of the Lord. If victory were to be accomplished, it would come through God and God alone. I want to tell you that's a lesson the Lord wants you to learn today. When you're under attack, when you're in a difficult place, when you're facing a spiritual adversary, the best course of action is turn to the Lord. See, when you put your trust in the Lord, you begin to discover the power of Psalm 20, verses 7 and 8. Some boast in chariots and some boast in horses, but we will boast in the name of the Lord our God. They, who is they? The ones that boasted in chariots and horses. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stood upright. When you put your trust in the Lord, you begin to discover the power of Romans 8 and 31. If God be for us, who can be against us? When you put your trust in the Lord, you begin to discover the power of 1 John 4 and 4. That greater is he who is within you than he who is in the world. When you put your trust in the Lord, you discover the power of Romans 8 and 37. That even in the midst of tribulation and distress and persecution and famine and nakedness and peril and sword. In all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loves us. Hallelujah be to God. When Israel began to fully trust the Lord, that's when God began to fight on her behalf and a mighty victory was won. Now, I'd just like to pause in the message long enough to say, I wish I could get somebody, I, I wish I could find a way to get somebody that would commit to trust the Lord today. I wish I could get you to determine that in the midst of the adversity you're facing, you're just going to trust the Lord. I wish I could get you to trust him when you're on the mountain and keep trusting him when you're in the valley. I wish I could get you to trust him when you're physically fit and keep trusting him when you're fighting disease. I wish I could get you to trust him when everything is going right and just keep trusting him when it seems like everything is going wrong. I wish I could get somebody in this house to affirm the truth of what we were singing just a little while ago. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust Trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. When you are in a right relationship with God through heartfelt repentance, when you're wholly trusting the Lord, that's when the victory comes. Praise God. It's working. Well, that's my introduction. <clears throat> oh, don't get upset. It's a long introduction. It's just a, not much sermon to it. But it, That's the background information you need to have for the message the Lord has given for me to bring to you today. You, you need to know the story. You need to know the background. When Israel put their trust in the Lord 
and gained the victory over the Philistines. The Bible says that Samuel came along and he set up a large stone as a memorial. And he named that monument Ebenezer, the stone of help. And here's what he said. He puts this, hauls this big old rock into place and sets it up as a monument. And he said, thus far, the Lord has helped us. In, in the old King James Bible, I love the word. It's, it's, it's a word we don't use very much now, but it's a great word. I think we ought to bring it back into, into the vernacular. The word is hitherto. The Lord has helped us. Isn't that a great word? Hitherto. You don't hear that very often, do you? But thus far, the Lord has helped us. And what I want to suggest to you today is that this day is one of those Ebenezer days. This building in which we're worshiping is an Ebenezer building. This service is an Ebenezer service. What we're celebrating today is not just the payoff of a debt, but we're erecting in our midst a stone of remembrance. We're using this occasion to put a memorial in place, a, a memorial that will serve in time to come as a reminder of the Lord's help for his people. Let me tell you what's going to happen down the road. It's going to happen in this church, and it's going to happen in your personal life. There is going to come a time when the challenge you face will be overwhelming. There's going to come a time when the way is so dark and the path is so uncertain, you're going to wonder if God is even aware that you exist. You're going to wonder if he knows your name or if he knows where you are. You're going to be convinced that he's completely abandoned you. You're going to wonder why you even bother trying to serve him with all the adversity in your life. Because it seems like every time you just try to serve him more and, and really get into his presence, it just seems like things just get piled one on top of another. And it gets worse. You're not going to be able to see any purpose and any reason to continue. You're going to be plagued by doubt and unbelief. And fear of the future. I see some people doing this. You know what I'm talking about because you've already been there. Some of you might be there right now. For some of you, I want to tell you that this event is right around the next bend in the road. It's in those times of doubt and question. In the what I call the long, dark night of the soul. That's when... You need what we're doing today. That's when you need an Ebenezer, a stone of remembrance. That's when you're going to need to remind yourself, thus far, the Lord has helped me. Pastor Blake, hand me one of those, those rocks. I, I meant to get one earlier. Yeah, they start throwing at me. I'll at least have ammunition for no. <laughs> That's why I gave you this. It's, it's a silly thing, I know. It's, 
probably won't mean anything to a lot of you, but some of you are going to need this. You're going to need to hang on to this. You're going to need to put it someplace where you'll see it right regularly. You're going to need to put it someplace, and every time, in fact, you may, might even want to take a Sharpie and write on there in little tiny letters, Ebenezer. Put it somewhere where you can see it. Put it somewhere where you can hang on to it. Some of you might want to carry it around in your pocket so you'll know it's there. Because there's going to be times when you're not going to understand anything that's going on. And every time you say, I'm going to serve God, I'm going to do what God wants me to do, it's going to be like all hell comes against you. And you're going to need to remember, thus far, the Lord has helped me. See, the reason you need an Ebenezer, first of all, is because it will help you to remember the positives. Have you noticed when, when you get into trouble, you start thinking only, the only thing you can see is the problem? Have you ever noticed that? When trouble comes, you forget about all the good stuff and all you can focus on is the bad stuff. I see that happening in marriages all the time. A couple of, you know, they, they, they get into disagreement and there's tension in the home. The next thing you know, they're saying, oh, I've never loved him. Don't tell me that. All you can see is what's going on right now. You've forgotten all the positives that happened. That's still true, Pastor. They're getting ready to stone you right there, but it's still the truth. Maybe I'm talking to somebody who's in the midst of some deep despair right now. Maybe I'm talking to somebody who's grieving. Maybe I'm talking to somebody who feels forsaken. Maybe I'm talking to somebody who feels like you've lost your song and you've lost your joy. Maybe I'm talking to somebody that the light has gone from your eyes. You can't see anything but darkness and gloom. Everywhere you turn, there just doesn't seem to be any hope, and you're ready to give up. But I came to this place today to point out in your life some Ebenezer stones. I came to remind you thus far the Lord has helped you. Listen, just the fact that you're here is a witness that God is helping you. See, if the devil had his way, you'd have been dead a long time ago. But the Lord has helped you. The Lord has sustained you. The Lord has brought you this far. I told you at the beginning of this message, what we're celebrating is an even bigger miracle than some of you realize. I don't know how many of you are are in the building today who have been part of this church for 15 years or longer. Anybody that's been part of this church that long? Okay, we, we've got a, a couple of folks that, yeah, two or three of you. If you've been around here longer than, say, 15 years, you'll remember in the history of this church, there was a time when this church almost didn't survive. There was a time... When it had grown and then transition took place and, and attacks came and the next thing you know, it was down. There was nothing going on. There were only a handful of people attending. Morale was about as low as it could get. Resources had dried up. There was no enthusiasm. It looked like the next step would be to close the doors and sell the property. I know about that because I serve as the regional bishop for this area. And I, this church is one of the churches that is under my responsibility. And I kept an eye on it. And I talked to the pastor. And he and I had multiple conversations about can we even keep the thing going? This church almost didn't make it. It was on life support. But that handful of people turned to the Lord, and they prayed, 
and they stayed faithful and they remained committed and they worked hard and they endured hard times and little by little things started to turn around and the Lord began to bring the increase and now when you look around you, you find this is a life-giving place. This is a healing place. This is an exciting place. This is a place of blessing. This is a place where lives are changed and marriages are restored and families are put back together and children are taught and good news is proclaimed and sinners are saved and hurting are healed and disciples are formed. Oh, sure, there are challenges. Oh, yeah, welcome to life. Everything isn't perfect. There will always be challenges. But every time you drive onto this property and every time you walk in these doors, you need to remember it is by the grace of God that this church is here as a monument that testifies to the presence of God in this community. Thus far, the Lord has helped us. I want to suggest that you need some personal Ebenezers in your life. Why don't you take a moment... And remember the change that took place in your life when the Lord saved you. Does anybody remember what you were like bef before Jesus? And what you're like since Jesus? Why don't you just remember how far the Lord has brought you? Why don't you remember the many times he's rescued you from trouble? Why don't you remember the times he made a way for you where there didn't seem to be any way? Why don't you remember the times you should have perished, but thus far the Lord has helped you? Your body was wasting away, but thus far the Lord has helped you. Your strength had failed, but thus far the Lord has helped you. Your emotions were at the breaking point, but you're still here, and thus far the Lord has helped you. Your resources were completely depleted, but thus far the Lord has helped you. Your enemies laughed and mocked, but thus far the Lord has helped you. Your friends abandoned you, but thus far the Lord has helped you. Your teacher said, no way, but thus far the Lord has helped you. Your counselor said, no hope, but thus far the Lord has helped you. You didn't know how you were going to survive, but... Thus far, the Lord has helped you. You didn't know where your next meal was coming from, but thus far, the Lord has helped you. You didn't know how you were going to keep your sanity, but thus far, the Lord has helped you. I'm telling you, it is these Ebenezer stones that will help you remember the positives. Oh, sure, there may be times that I get down, but I'm not going to stay down. How can I stay down when I remember thus far the Lord has helped me? Is there anybody who has a testimony about the help of the Lord in your life? Is there anybody who knows the truth of what I'm preaching about today? Why don't you take a moment and just give him some praise and thank the Lord. Remember the positive. Rejoice. Thus far the Lord has helped me. Praise God. Not only do Ebenezer stones help remember the positives, but then I want to tell you, they help you recognize his presence. Ebenezer stones help us recognize the Lord's presence. The promise of God is Malachi 3 and 6. I am the Lord, I change not. 
The promise of God is Hebrews 13 and 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The promise of God is Matthew 28 and 20. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm telling you today that the same Lord, somebody say the same Lord. The same Lord who has helped you thus far is the same Lord who is with you right now. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. He never goes on a far journey and forgets about you. The Lord is with you right now. See, he's not just in the heavens sitting on his thumbs watching to see what you're going to do. He didn't just create the world and then brush off his hands and go off to the heavenly cafeteria for a cup of coffee and leave humanity to fend for itself for a few thousand years until he decided to return. See, the God I'm talking about is a personal God. He's an up-close God. He's an involved God. The Lord is with you right now. Oh, you may not be able to see him. You may not feel him. You may not hear him. You may not be aware that he's within a million miles of where you are. But the Lord is with you. His hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Is, neither is his ear dull so that he cannot hear. He who watches over his people does not slumber nor does he sleep. You are the apple of his eye. You are his people, the sheep of his pasture. You are secured by his arm. You are sheltered by his love. You are sealed by his spirit. You're not in this thing alone. God has your best interest in mind. You may not be able to see his hand at work right now. But when you cannot see his hand, trust his heart. His heart is for you. God is for you. I said God is for you. God is for you. God is for you. Yes, he is. The Lord is with you. The Lord. He's not a Lord. He is the Lord. He's not one God among many gods. There's only one God. See, you don't need a pantheon of gods. You don't need a sun God and a moon God. You don't need a storm God and a harvest God. You don't need a day God and a night God. There's only one God, and he is with you. The Lord is with you. And then I want you to know the Lord is with you. He's not an impotent fantasy. He's not a figment of an overworked imagination. He's the Lord. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He's the one who is before all things, the one who holds all things together, the one in whom and by whom all things exist. He's the eternal, never changing, never tiring, never confused, never defeated God. He's all powerful, all knowing, ever present God. He has no equal. He has no rival. He is master and ruler over all. The Lord is with you. And then I want to tell you, the Lord is with you. He's not a dried up, out of touch, used to be. He's not some fanciful, futuristic, ethereal, will be. He's present tense. He is. 
He's as current as the morning headlines. He's a right now God. You don't have to wait till you get to a certain point in your journey in order to activate his presence. He's with you right now. He is the Lord who does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What that means is that everything he used to be in history, he is in the present. Everything he's going to be in the future, he is right now. The Lord is with you. And then I want to tell you the Lord is with you. He is with you. He's not distant and removed. He hasn't abandoned you in order to be with someone else. You can't get rid of him. You can't escape him. Run just as far and just as fast away from him as you want. And when you arrive at your destination, you'll find him waiting there wondering what took you so long to get there. He's as close as your next heartbeat. He's as connected to you as your flesh is connected to your skeletal frame. Even before you call, he says, I'm answering. Even before you need him, he has already provided. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. The Lord is with you. And then I want to tell you, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. He's not just with the pastor. He's not just with the saints from Bible times. The Lord is with you. You, he's with you on your best day, and he's with you on your worst day. He's with you when everything's going your way, and he's with you when everything's going against you. He's with you in the calm, and he's with you in the storm. He's with you in the thrill of victory, and he's with you in the agony of defeat. He's with you in prosperity, and he's with you in poverty. He's he's with you in fame, and he's with you in shame. He's with you in honor, and he's with you in humiliation. When you woke up this morning, the Lord was with you. When you pillow your head tonight... The Lord is with you all day, every day, for the rest of your life. The Lord is with you. When you can't feel him, the Lord is with you. When you can't see him, the Lord is with you. When you can't hear him, the Lord is with you. When everyone else abandons you, the Lord is with you. See, see, some, some of you got in the middle of a storm and you thought you'd been abandoned. You forgot Nahum chapter 1 verse 3. Listen. In whirlwind and storm is his way. And clouds are the dust beneath his feet. See, you got in the storm. You said, oh, God's not anywhere. God is all over the storm. God's in the middle of the storm. Whirlwind and storm. That's the way he operates. Clouds are the dust beneath his feet. I want to tell you that that dark cloud you see coming toward you, it just could be the dust that's being stirred up by the Lord, hastening to give attention to the needs of your life. I'm about to bless myself. Even in the darkest, most desperate time of your life, the Lord is with you. Hallelujah. What time am I supposed to be done? I forgot to ask you that. When I, oh, that's a bad. Y'all okay? Anybody feeling encouraged now? I'm, I'm trying to help you here. When you see these Ebenezer stones, they'll help you remember the positives. The, They'll help you recognize his presence. And, and there's one more. I want, if you've got time, I'll, I'll give you one more. When you see these stones, they will help you reclaim his promise. 
in verses 13 and 14 of our text that we read, it says, So the Philistines were subdued, and they did not come anymore within the border of Israel. The hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. And the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron even to Gath. And Israel delivered their territory from the hand of the Philistines, so there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. Do you see what's going on here? When I read these verses, what that says is God not only brought deliverance from the enemy, but he completely restored what had previously been lost. Did anybody else see that? He gave it back, what they lost. See, when God does his work, he not only rescues, he also returns. His deliverance is total, complete, nothing held back. When you put your trust in him, he won't just redeem, but he will restore. He is not going to stop working until you are made whole. Thus far, the Lord has helped you. That means he has helped you up to this point. But it also means he's not going to leave you half finished. He's going to complete what he began. I thought somebody would be really excited about that, but uh, I'll move on. He's, going to com- he's not going to leave the building without a certificate of occupancy. He's going to take it all the way to completion. That's the meaning of Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. See, God's promise is that everything is going to be all right in the end. So if everything isn't all right, that's okay. That just means it's not the end. It's going to be all right in the end. So it's not all right yet. Well, it's not the end. And your testimony that God is still working. Why? Because you're still here. You're here. Thus far, the Lord has helped you. And he's going to keep helping you until we get to the end. And everything's going to be all right. I want to tell you, I came today to speak a word of hope over this church corporately. And I came to speak a word of hope over the people of this church individually. I came today to remind you to claim the promise of Isaiah 40 and 31. Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They'll gain new strength. They'll mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not get tired. They'll walk and not faint. That's God's promise to you today. Latch on to that. I came to remind you to claim the promise of Psalm 27 and 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I came to remind you to claim the promise of Isaiah 54 and 17. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. 
This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. I came to remind you to claim the promise of Ephesians 3 and 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. On this day of remembering, while you're celebrating a wonderful accomplishment, I want you to understand your best days are still ahead of you. They are. And I want to tell you, there are still battles to be fought. There are still mountains to climb. There is still a monumental task to be accomplished. See, what's going to happen is, you remember where, where Paul talks about us being changed from glory to glory to glory? It, it's, this, it's moving on, moving higher, moving, moving closer to God. That, that's always what's going on. So he's going to take you, you've, you've come to this level, but there's a new height to gain. There's a new level to go to. And can I just tell you, another level means another devil. Now, how's that for a word of encouragement before I sit down? Another level, there's another devil. The devils you've fought already and conquered to get to this point, you don't have to mess with them again. But there's another level. And that means more challenge. That means you're going to have to stay true to God. You're going to have to stay together. You're going to have to stay united. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to press. There's a, there's a whole there's a whole city out here that needs Jesus there's a whole city that needs the Jesus that you know and you have the words of eternal life so you got to figure a way to get there and that requires commitment and sacrifice you know all those words we don't like that's what it requires and there's going to be a spiritual adversary that's going to stand in your way and dare you to try to come against him. Just go ahead and go. I gave you a rock to throw at him. I want to remind you, though, the same Lord who has helped you thus far is the same Lord that will be with you, and he will fulfill his promise to you. So, remember the positives. Recognize his presence. He's with you. And reclaim his promise. Would you bow with me, please? Lord, we love you. We really love you. And I am so thankful for what you have done as people have had a mind to work and they've united together, they've, they've banded together for a common goal and purpose. It's amazing what we can happen when we're unified. And I just give you all the praise for that. Lord, I want to pray for the people of this house that are listening to this message and for those that may be watching online. I want to pray for them as well. 
I ask, O oh Lord, that you'll use this simple message to bring hope and encouragement to their hearts. I ask that we will never forget that you have helped us up to this point and your promise is that when we stay with you, you'll help us all the way to the end. Thank you, Lord, because your word promises that no matter what happens in the, in the interim, when everything shakes out, we win. Thank you for that. I pray that every person hearing this message today will take that into heart and that the Holy Spirit will seal that in their life. So the next time they are tempted to just throw in the towel, they'll just remember, now, thus far, the Lord has helped me. And he's still with me. And he will go with me all the way to the end. Lord, I pray a blessing upon this, this house, upon this church. I pray that your hand of favor will rest upon it. I pray that this church will be marked with a target that will attract divine favor. And that your blessings will flow to them almost in spite of themselves. And that you'll grow this place. I pray in the transitions they're in that you'll give direction and wisdom. And I pray, O oh Lord, that every seat in this house will be filled. That you'll bring people here from the north, the south, the east, and the west. People that need the life-giving words that come from this church. When they come, they'll get connected with you. Thank you for doing that, Lord. I believe you for doing that. Give you all the praise, for we pray this in the strong name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. At Christ Walk Church, we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. For more information about Christ Walk, please visit us at thechristwalk.com.